You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. My bad, I was saying hey to people. I was listening. How's everybody doing this morning? Happy Sunday to you. Go ahead and tell your neighbor happy Sunday. Come on, look to your other neighbor and tell him you look good this morning. All right, turn around and say, you sound good this morning. All right, even if it's true or not, I sang my heart out, and I know I didn't sound good, but I, hopefully it got joyful on the way up to the Lord somewhere in that airspace up there, all right? Well, it's great to be here with you, and I tell you, man, I just love getting in the presence of God. We were talking this morning with our uh, volunteers, and that, that worship set, it just... You know, some weekends it just it just lands, and this is one of those weekends where I feel like it landed. Uh, listening to you guys, I think it landed on a bunch of you guys as well. And I think the thing that I love so much about worship is just, man, it doesn't matter what you're going through, the presence of God is the one thing that can change it. You know, some of you guys, what I know about this place is so many of you guys walk through the doors and every story is different. Some of you guys walked into this weekend and you're having the best week of your life, Right? Summer's almost over. You've had your great vacations. You know, others of you have, have had the worst week of your life. Others of you are just already praising God that school's only just a few short weeks away, right? And everything in between. But what I love about it is that when we get into the presence of God, I mean, God changes us. God changes our situations, and, and you see this all throughout the Bible. You know, it doesn't matter whether it was Moses when he went up onto the mountain, when he got into the presence of God, he came back down with the law. When it was David, he got into the presence of God multiple times, and it spoke into his future of him being the king of Israel. You can look at the disciples and how they didn't know that they were going to be the champion of, of launching the church after Jesus' ministry was done on this earth, but it all hinged around getting in the presence of God. I look back through my life and I see so many points of my life being connected to the presence of God. And so no matter where you are uh, in this season of life, good, bad, or just happy that school's around the corner, can we not praise God in every step of the way? Amen? Come on, one last time. Let's just give God some praise. I hope you guys have had a great summer. I know that we have, as a family, we just got back from uh, Florida. And uh, actually, one of the songs that we sang uh, during the time period of getting away with our kids, uh, that, that song that we sang, Worthy Is Your Name. Because we stopped at one of these places down in Florida, and it was absolutely gorgeous. Blue water, I know we're not used to that. We're, we're used to pluff mud water, right? But I'm looking out over this landscape and just in awe of what God creates. It's absolutely astounding that the God of this universe just does what he does, but he also cares about us. Is that not amazing? And so I, I just love it. I, I hope you guys have had a great summer. Uh, this weekend, we have a phenomenal speaker, uh, and I get the pleasure of introducing uh, him. His name is Brother Charles Simpson. He is not only a friend of this house, uh, but he's also just, he's been woven into the DNA uh, from a very early time period. He's actually one of Pastor Mike's mentors. Uh, we've known him for many, many, many years, and I actually just found this out. Not only does he have three kids, nine grandchildren, but he also has three great-grandchildren, which is just awesome. And so he's, he's lived a very full life. 
And outside of uh, building a, a great family, he has had a tremendous, tremendous ministry life as well. You see, there's a phrase in the Bible that says this, that, that people would want to get so close to the rabbi that they would pick up the dust of the rabbi, right? And what that means is that they were so close to the rabbi that they literally, the dust got on them, meaning that they wanted to learn everything that they could from him, okay? Well, Brother Charles Simpson is one of those folks that I can promise you that you, you're going to hang on every word. He has more stories than he can shake a stick at, and I never get tired of any single one of them. I just absolutely love what he does. Um, he has been a part of the charismatic movement, if you've heard of that, where thousands and millions of people, not only in this nation, but globally have been impacted. Um, he was a part of that with a group of guys that just made such a difference and brought so many people uh, closer to Jesus throughout this entire world. That was his ministry life, and don't think that he's done because, yes, he may be retired from some of that, but he never stopped because now what he does is he pours into church. And, and being young and in this whole thing, I tell you what, what's amazing to have is to have people who are above you, who have a whole lot more wisdom, who have been through things and seen things that you can lean on, and that's exactly what he does. He's a mentor to so many pastors around this nation. Uh, it just does an absolutely incredible job. His bio is literally so long, I can't even tell you everything. Uh, but one of the ways that I know when we have people up here, you want to know ways to stay connected with folks. And he has this, uh, one of the options is this magazine that he's over, which is called One to One. And they're going to put behind the screen just different ways that you can connect with him, but as you speak with him, if there's if there's something that tugs on you, say I just want to stay connected with him. Here's an, uh, a few great options for you. Um, but I'm gonna have my phone out because every single time I'm around him, man, I just write like crazy, and I'm so excited for you guys to witness and experience that. So if you will do me a great honor, would you stand to your feet, please, and please welcome Brother Charles Simpson to the stage. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for that uh, introduction. I wondered who you were talking about there for a minute. I'd get the recording of that and take it home to my family so they'll get impressed. But I appreciate it. It's always a blessing to be here. I get treated royally. And uh, I love the church and love your leadership. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to gather the freedom, the liberty to come together and celebrate who you are and who the Lord Jesus is in our lives. I want to thank you, Father, for those that got us here, those that connected us <coughs> To you and your incarnation and the apostles and prophets, those most of whose names we'll never know, but we're faithful. I pray you'll help us to be good stewards of what we have received and to pass it on intact as long as you remain there in heaven, Father, help us to be faithful here on earth. And... Uh, we trust you, Lord. Have your way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you might turn with me in a moment to 
Isaiah, the first chapter, and verse 18 through 22 in a minute. I, I am honored to be here, and I never say that lightly. And um, at my age, you're grateful to be anywhere. But uh, <laughs> people tell me, said, Brother Charles, you're looking good. And they'll pause and say, for your age, you know. <laughs> Well, thank God. The Lord is good. Talking about the offering, I thought about two guys standing out in front of the church in their underwear. And one of them said, that's the best sermon on giving I ever heard in my life. Anyway, if you missed it, just don't worry about it. <laughs> this may be a little different message this morning. But I'm going to talk about conversations and connections and um, try to be as authentic as I know how to be. I'll read um, in Isaiah, the first chapter, and uh, let's look at verse 18 from the New King James Version. Come now and let us reason together. Say together with me. Together. Together. Let's reason together. That means we both participate. It's a conversation. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God says, I want to have a conversation with you. And it will be a cleansing experience. I want to go to John, the first chapter. And this is another conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, a very learned and prestigious rabbi. I'll read from the third chapter. By the way, this is one of the most read and quoted chapters in the Bible. We get John 3.16, for God so loved the world, etc., from this conversation, and I'll read all the first three verses. John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Surely you must be born again. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, you need a spiritual birth to see spiritual things. A lot of people try to rationalize the things they hear about in the Bible or sermons and so forth. But what Jesus is saying is it takes a spiritual birth to come to understand more about the spiritual world. And he says it again. He said, unless a man is born again or born from above, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
to, to move in the spiritual world, we need the Holy Spirit to give us a new spirit and to open our spiritual eyes so that we can see into the world that's eternal, the world of God. So a conversation has become a doorway for millions and millions of people into the spiritual world. So I, I began to think about this a few weeks ago differently than I ever had before. We have a conference in May every year in Gatlinburg, and so some of our leaders get together. And uh, A young man came. He's 27 years old. And, and I've had a hunger lately to be able to fellowship with younger people um, for a lot of different reasons. I have a message called uh, Restoring the Generational Bridge because the generational bridge is broken. There are gaps in the generations larger than I've ever seen. And how to heal that, I think, requires some conversations. And guys my age don't often get to talk to people really young. And if it is, it's more of a sermon than it is a conversation. And so one of the guys, he's 27 years old, came to our conference, and he said, Brother Charles, I'd like you to come to Panama City Beach and meet with some of my friends. And, and um, I, I got the impression he wanted me to speak to a group of young people and uh, perhaps bring a message. I was trying to think about what message I might bring, and I, I kept saying to him, you know, send me some information. I'd like a kind of an order of worship or whatever you've got. Never came. And so I, I went, and um, it was 14 people. Uh, two of them was actually in the early 40s. That's young for me. Um, but anyway, the rest were like uh, early 20s and maybe some in their teens. And uh, I mostly listened. And uh, once in a while, somebody asked me a question I'd share, and I, I, I realized I had to make a mental adjustment in my approach to that gathering from what I was seeing as a, some kind of religious meeting to, in fact, what was a conversation. So when I went away from there, I began to think about conversations, and I began to think about conversations in the Bible like the one I just read, or in uh, Isaiah 1, he said, let's reason together. I've I, I memorized that verse before, but I thought, here is God asking for a conversation. Uh, and I began to think, yes, that's what he's asking. And conversations can be connecting in ways that, uh, and I'm a preacher, and I'm all for preaching, but a conversation with somebody can connect in ways that a sermon doesn't. And I began to I began to think I need some conversations. And that's kind of what this is about. There needs to be a stronger connection than we have. 
How many of you know that a lot of disconnect is happening in our country? A debate is not a conversation. An argument's not a conversation. Division is not a conversation. A conversation's where you sit down and you listen and you share until you can connect somewhere. So anyway, I began to develop a new perspective about inspired conversations. Conversations that the Holy Spirit is in, and you maybe didn't realize it, or maybe you did. Or maybe a conversation that influenced your life that wasn't really a good conversation at all. There are those two, and I'll try to touch on that. I uh, started pastoring in 1957. I pastored the first church that I pastored. Not 1857, by the way, 19. And there were 32 people there that first Sunday. The church had had five pastors in seven years. That gives you a clue that it it was a problem church. And there were problems in the church. At one point, it had been over 100 people, and then it went down to 32. I remember because it was on the board there on the wall how many were attending that day. And uh, there was a fellow in the church that wanted to run the church, and there was a lady in the church that did run the church. And I, um, I still lived at home. I, I lived with my parents um, that were about five miles away and um, commuted back and forth to school and to the church and preached on the weekends and did that for several years. And um, it, something happened there that never happened to me anywhere before or since, and that is a lady would call me up, and the last thing I got to say was hello. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had any of those conversations, but it, it's, it's not connecting And here's something else. She didn't say goodbye. That would give you a chance to say at least one other thing, goodbye. She just hung up. She didn't say goodbye. She just clicked. Uh, By the way, this is back in the days of landlines and eight-party lines. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) that's a whole other story. and, and I, I would tell my father, who was a pastor, and a, a good pastor, pastored his last church 35 years. And um, I said, Dad, you got to help me or I'm going to embarrass us. Because I had a bad temper, and uh, I liked to fight and box and sports, and I said, I'm going to lose it. He said, well, you must need her. I said, what? Like a bad accident, I need her? And he said, well, if you didn't need her, you wouldn't have her. And uh, the Lord will take her away one day, and then it will be somebody else. Anyway, I thought, what a life to look forward to. (laughs) Um, But it, um, well, it had an impact on me. I won't forget that. 
And, and by the way, by nature, I'm a talker. Um, my worst grades in school were for talking. And in retrospect, I realize now that's not a conversation. A conversation includes listening. And after listening to that lady, I felt like the Lord said, that's kind of how your prayer life is. Except I only, um, I only have to listen to you. You don't listen to me. And I, 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 re <laughs> I didn't want to be compared to that lady. Um, but I realized, I, I, I knew how to pray. I, I grew up in a pastor's home. I heard people pray. I prayed. I learned to pray when I was a kid. But it was all about talking, not so much about listening. And how do you listen to God while you're praying? And how does that work? Does God really want a conversation and not just to listen to me? Is this where he's going to get to contribute to? And will it be an honest conversation or will it be one of these conversations where people say what they want you to hear? Uh, how many of you know God can handle honesty? In fact, that's why I'm here today is because uh, Pastor Mike and I have a mutual friend who's now with the Lord, Ken Sumrall. Ken was a fundamentalist. I was too. Ken was 11 years older than me. First day in seminary, I was sitting on the back, class of about 100, uh, and the, the, the teacher was, uh, let's just say liberal theologian, and um, I didn't want to be in the class. I don't think Ken did either. And, but before the class started, Ken turned around and said something to me that was rather abrupt, and, and um, I didn't like the way he said it. However, I liked that he said it because here's a guy that's like my mother's people. They're Cajuns in the swamps of Louisiana, and they'll tell you exactly what they think. How many of you would rather talk to somebody that tells you what they think than somebody that's just nice? Not too many hands. I didn't notice that. Anyway, <laughs> but I do. I mean, I like somebody. And, and, and so much to Ken's surprise, I invited him to preach in our church. And, and uh, we became friends. And later on, I heard that he um, had become Pentecostal. Uh, he pastored a 900-member church in Pensacola. And... Um, I heard that he had gone, well, actually, they said Holy Roller. That was 1964. And you had an image of somebody that, you know, the eyes rolled back in their head and whatever else and uh, ran into a wall or something, some really wild thing. Uh, Ken didn't impress me as that kind of guy. He had a master's degree. And um, so I, I looked him up and... Um, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It all started from a rather awkward conversation that connected us. I, I, you know, every conversation doesn't have to be to your liking, but we have to learn to listen to one another. Who knows there's a door in that conversation somewhere? And in my case, 
it dramatically affected my life. Uh, our church had grown, and we were up, you know, uh, over 300 people, and, but we were dry. And when you're the preacher, you feel the dryness perhaps more than the people do. I did. And I was preaching through the book of Acts, and, and what I was seeing didn't look like the book of Acts at all. And I could put a $100 bill on the altar, nobody would come get it. And uh, I could say, if you love your mother, come forward. Nobody would come forward. I mean, it was icy cold. And uh, I went to Ken's prayer meeting, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, came back, and people started coming forward the first Sunday before I ever got to the invitation. I thought they misunderstood. It changed my life, changed the church. The whole trajectory started with a, a rather awkward conversation. I wonder if God doesn't really want not just to preach to us, and I believe in preaching, I am a preacher, but if he doesn't want to just have an honest conversation where not only we are honest with him, how many of you know God knows anyway, and I said, how many of you know God knows anyway? <laughs> I hope I didn't choke anybody. But he knows, he knows our hearts. He knows what we forgot. He knows us and loves us. And he wants to sit down and be honest and have us be honest. And so it is. Conversations likely got you here today. Um, somebody might have mentioned the church to you and you decided to come. You love the fellowship, worship, the messages, conversations. Fact of the business is conversations determine so much in our lives. If we only knew, one of the things that is rough about getting older, and some of you, I'm sure, are up in years, and, is you lose good friends that you don't have to explain things to. They know you, you know them, and one day they're gone. And piece by piece, your life is taken on to heaven many times. And uh, you miss those conversations uh, because they're significant. And I, I think there are conversations that we need to have that often we don't get to have. I think of some who've gone on. In fact, a lot. My wife went to be with the Lord in 2008. I wish I had had some conversations I didn't have. Um, my parents, I, I look back and the night my mother passed away, I was with her. And mother was a, a German Cajun. That's a cocktail for you. And um, she, she would tell you the truth. She had a tender heart, but fire could shoot out of her eyes. And, um, and she's, she's got a disease that we know is going to take her life if God doesn't intervene. And <clears throat> mother told me, she said, Charles, 
you're keeping me here, and I want you to let me go. And she said, I want to go to be with my people. And uh, she was serious, but I, I didn't think I'm keeping her here, but she said, well, I want you to let me go. And I said, okay. So I knelt down by the bed and prayed a prayer of release and uh, stayed around a while. She seemed fine. I left and went home a few blocks away. The evening nurse was there. I got home less than an hour. She called me up. She said, your mother's gone. I thought, oh, no. I, I, if I'd have really believed what she said, we'd have had a conversation about things that I should have said to her a long time ago. I love my mother. She's a great woman. Almost died giving birth to me. My father reminded me of that. But she, <laughs> I mean, I thought, how many conversations? One time when I was 16, at the height of my intelligence, I was sharing some things with my mother that she needed to know when my father appeared in the door. And I looked, and there he was, and I thought of the verse, Behold, the judge is standing at the door. <laughs> and uh, he said, That's your mother, son, not your sister. And that stayed with me. You know, conversations have a big effect. Some not so good. My dad said to me one time, son, if God's ever going to use you, you're going to have to find new friends. I was a reactionary person. I said, what's wrong with, before it got out of my mouth, I knew more was wrong with my friends at that time than I hoped he'd ever find out. <laughs> I had to find friends that would encourage my life's best. Conversations. I wonder if there's not some conversations that we all need to have. <clears throat> as much as I, I love great preachers and listen to them, and I do, I could name some of my favorite all-time great preachers. But I can't think of a single sermon that ever affected me the same way. And I know the Bible says it pleased God with the foolishness of preaching that people would be saved. But the conversations, the honest conversations. The Bible says, James says, in chapter 3, that the tongue is a rudder. It steers the ship. The ship can be a thousand feet long. The rudder's not so big, but it steers. I think conversations with our own tongue or someone else's steer us in a direction 
hopefully, the right direction. But it's caused me in the last few weeks to review my conversations and to ask the Lord to be part of my conversation. I remember the Emmaus Road disciples after the crucifixion, and they had heard that Jesus rose from the dead, but they weren't sure about it. In fact, they really didn't believe it. And they're walking downhill from Jerusalem to Emmaus, several hundred feet below Jerusalem, and they're going downhill. A lot of people are going downhill. And they're talking together, and, and, and they're saying, we thought he was the one. And Jesus has joined them incognito in the conversation. And they didn't know it. I wonder how many times the Lord has been part of our conversation and we didn't know it. And finally, he revealed himself to them as they were eating together. I thought, how many scriptural examples are there of conversations like Jesus and Nicodemus or like God speaking to his prophet or like God talking to Noah. There's a conversation and telling him to build a ship and he believed God built a a ship. It had never rained. A mist had come up from the order. But he he had a conversation. He had to go home and tell his wife, I'd like to have a record of that conversation. I, I want to I want us to see conversation. Jesus said where two or three are gathered together in my name. In Matthew 18, he's talking about handling a brother's problem. Scripture says if you have ought against somebody, go to them. Not go to the community, but that can be a tough conversation. But you know what? We, we feel cleaner when we have an honest conversation. In love, but the truth washes us. I, I don't really know how to, to close this. But I want to ask you, is there somebody you need to have a conversation with? Wife or husband or children or parents? A neighbor? I wouldn't encourage you to rush out and do something. I would encourage you to pray about it. But how many of you know our country needs a lot of cleansing? We need a lot of washing. The truth washes if it's delivered properly. I, uh, I want to challenge you. Ask God 
to show you something about your conversations. I, I, I'm asking for mine. I, I've got to tell you this story. I just got to. I'll be as quick as possible. Right after I'd been baptized in the Spirit, a lot of things happened. But one is, I was in the auditorium. It was empty. I was in the auditorium one morning praying, worshiping, trying to figure out what was going to happen. I was a Southern Baptist pastor. We had a new baby born. I didn't know the future. It was all controversial. And a guy stuck his head in the back door, like a door right there, and he was a tramp. Obviously, he'd slept in his clothes, not shaven, um, 65 maybe, I don't know. But he, he, he looked like he'd had a rough life. And he stuck his head in the door, and I'm in this place praying. And he said, Brother? And, you know, I was kind of offended right there. Um, I didn't know him. I thought, he's going to ask for money. And I'm already reaching in my pocket. And he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? And I thought, what? Is he using the Holy Spirit to get money or what? And I said, yes, I've received the Holy Spirit. And he walks right in, and the piano is right there. And sits down at the piano, and I thought, what's he going to do with the piano? And he plays it like he made it. I mean, all the keys. I couldn't believe what I'd just seen. And then he began to sing in the spirit. I'd never heard that before. I mean, it's like the presence of God came down. This, this guy didn't know anyway. So eventually I go over and, 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 and sing with him. And it, it seems like to me we're on a long swing that just swings up. And at the top of the ark, you could see over into heaven. It's a wonderful time. And he's, I've studied Greek and Hebrew, and he's singing in some rich language, and it's powerful. And when I'm just up at the top where I feel like I could see over into the presence of God, he stops, and I'm up in the air like this, and he just shuts down. And he said, uh, young man, what is it that makes a man, man find favor with God? I'm thinking, okay, I must have studied that in seminary or college or somewhere. What is it that makes? He said, well, you know, there was a lot of people in Ur of the Chaldees. Why did God choose Abraham? And I think, okay, I, 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 this has got to be. Uh, um, and before I could figure that out, he said, and there were a lot of little shepherd boys of Israel in Israel. Well, why did God choose David? And I thought, well, Abraham, I don't know, David. Um, and and I, I couldn't think of an answer. And I, I turned to him and I said, uh, I don't know why. He said, I don't know either. <laughs> started playing. You know, it was a little conversation. I've never found the answer. I, I, I wonder why would God choose me? Why would he choose us? 
His ways are so much higher. When I talk to him, I'm talking to the mind that made the galaxies. 200, 250 billion galaxies. And he's willing to talk to me. God bless you. told you, didn't I? You know, the great thing about being able to go to two services is you get completely different stories. The second service tells you that he's got incredible stories. And here, here's the thing that just lands on me every single time I hear Brother Charles speak is he leaves you with a topic that just, it just not only messes with your mind, but you just go away thinking about it, right? And I, and I pray that this topic really begins to uh, just minister to you, and you really begin to think about it. I, I'll never forget being over this White House that we have over here on our property, uh, one of the times that he was down many, many years ago, and I was wrestling with this whole idea of what am I going to do with my life? You see, I just closed the door to medicine, and, which is all that I ever knew. And so I'm trying to figure out, all right, God, if medicine's not it, what is it? I, I don't know what to do. And it was having a conversation that he had with me and other people on our staff that began this journey, and I got to listen to him talk about the power of God, the glory of God, and, and what God was doing around our nation, what God was doing here at Cathedral, and it really began to open up my mind, wow, could that really be possible? Could I really, really be a part of that? It's the power of a conversation. And I love the challenge that he gave to every single one of us. You know, one of the things that I love more than anything else that I've ever done here when working with volunteers is every single person, every one of you, walk through these doors with your own story. And one of the, my favorite things to do is to hear that story because every one of them is different. And it's fun to see how God is using you, how God is meeting you exactly where you are. And so I want to champion his challenge uh, of just the power of a conversation, uh, of what, when we take our time, when we slow down, and when we make other people important. Have you been to a restaurant and the server won't stop talking about themselves? It's annoying as all get out, isn't it? Like, I just, I just want to eat my meal. Can you leave me alone, right? But then you get those servers who enhance your experience, put into you, encourage you, and also understand that they're there to eat a meal and not cook and not clean, right? And fill your drink up. There's just, there's power in a conversation when we can take time. You know, you see, God put those people in our paths. I'm a firm believer of that. And so I encourage you to, you know, slow down this week and, and see how God wants to use you in your conversations. Amen? Amen. All right, uh, one of the things that I, I want to encourage is if you'd like to sow into uh, Brother Charles' uh, ministry, like I said, he, he is traveling this nation and pouring into that. They'll put the information on the screen behind us, uh, but we'd love for you to continue to partner with him. He'll be downstage if you'd like to come say hey to him or uh, thank him for his time here. Um, but go ahead and stand up real quick, and I'd love to bless you guys. Lord Jesus, I, I just thank you for this time period. Lord, thank you for every moment that we get to get into your presence. Father, you take care of every single need. And no matter where we are on the spectrum, 
Lord, when we get in your presence, you just do what only you can do. Father, we, we seek you, not us. And Father, I just ask that this message that we heard this morning, Father, would it challenge every single one of us? Father, will we go out here and just know that there, there is power in our words, there's power in our conversations. And Father, would you, would you let every one of us just be able to experience that right there? Just like you spoke to so many people in the Bible, you're still speaking to us today. And so, Father, would we not only experience it ourselves, but Father, would you give us opportunities to see the power of a conversation? Lord, use us. Use our words. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Well, thank you guys so much. Y'all have a blessed and amazing rest of your Sunday. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.